one voice You can change the world, it's your choice One mic, one voice You can change the world, it's your choice One mic, one voice You can change the world, it's your choice One mic, one voice Welcome to the One Mic, One Voice show, Building the Collective Conscious, a show that is created to give space where your voice, ideas, and opinions can be heard, appreciated, and debated. I am Michael Eric Owens, and I'm your solo. <laughs> I'm your solo host today. Uh, DT is dealing with important matters, and, and I'm, I'm hopefully going to try to hold it down. And uh, we have exciting, exciting show titled Simply King. And we realized that um, April 4th, 1968 uh, was the assassination of Dr. King. Man, it's going to be 50 years, 50 years that we lost that that great leader. So we're going to get into that show. But man, Oklahoma today was rocking at the state capitol. They estimated 30,000 people, including teachers, children, support staff. Man, and if you saw those those um, photos, those those that live feed from the helicopters and man, the, the Capitol was packed. And I have to admit, I am man, I, you know, looking at that unity. Teachers came from the four corners of the state of Oklahoma to make a statement. The statement was, you need to pay us more. You need to fund education. Um, The millions of dollars that have been cut uh, by the state legislation from for um, for education over the last decade has been atrocious. And so I I applaud them standing together. Um, I was again, you know, when I heard uh, the governor say that uh, prior to the teachers coming up, that the teachers should thank them for uh, the pay raise that uh, (laughs) I'm saying, man, that just add fuel to the fire. A decade of neglect. You know, you didn't get here just overnight. I mean, this is something that has taken place over a decade. And it's a shame that education is a shame that we have to struggle that we have to beg, that that we have to 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 come together in a force like that to simply say education is is important, folks. I mean, I, I think a lack of education is what we see today. Uh, you know, from uh, many of our leaders, uh, they may have position authority, but clearly they do not have the resident skills to run this country or to run state government. That's just in my opinion. I'm not saying everyone. Don't get me wrong. I mean, don't listen. Don't let me. I know you you folks like to blow my inbox up. You like to blow messenger up. You like to. Uh, but I'm not saying everyone. I'm not inferring that to everyone that, that holds office or everyone that's the administrator. I'm not saying that. But clearly, as the old saying says, if the shoe fit, wear it. And so, uh, folks, I want to just you know, give a shout out to all our listeners across the globe and, and on the continent of Africa, United Kingdom, uh, throughout the United States and South America. Uh, we just appreciate you. And, and because of your support, man, this is so exciting. Because of your support, man, we're on iHeartRadio. Can I say that again? We on iHeartRadio. Richard, we on iHeartRadio, man. Uh, that's exciting. And uh, it's been a journey. Man, we keep the conversation pushing and going and engaging you. Simply King. We're in the studio, folks. We're in Black and Studios talking about Dr. King, his legacy. What does it mean moving forward? Who are we in this generation? The challenges that we still face, folks, is simply Dr. King. But I want to I want to go to this video, to this audio here uh, just briefly. And this is right around um, the assassination. And uh, folks, take a listen. I said, Dr. King, that was it. I said, Dr. King, just as he straightened up, I said, Dr. King, and the bullet exploded in his face. NBC interrupts its regular program schedule to bring you the following special report. 
Martin Luther King Jr. was killed tonight in Memphis, Tennessee, shot in the face as he stood alone on the balcony of his hotel room. He died in a hospital an hour later. Martin Luther King's crusade for civil rights, patterned on the philosophy of non-resistance propounded by Mohandas Gandhi, began when his pastorate began in the Dexter Avenue Church. For 381 days, Negroes in that city boycotted the segregated city buses. There were bombings of Negro churches, attacks by white thugs, and street violence, but the buses finally were desegregated. Witnesses say the impact knocked him off his feet and that he fell back here against this serving tray. Investigation thus far gives rise to my very strong hope that a solution can be quickly effected. Dr. King, perhaps, was never more eloquent than on that day in August 1963, when he stood before the Lincoln Memorial in Washington. And to the tens of thousands there and the millions more at home, he spoke of his dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have just uh, conveyed the uh, sympathy of Ms. Johnson, myself, to his widow, Mrs. King. I know that every American of goodwill joins me in mourning the death of this outstanding leader and in praying for peace and understanding throughout this land. I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to go up to the mountain. And I've looked over. And I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you. But I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. So I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man, mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. A young man, wasn't an old man. When he took up the mantle, I believe he was 27, he took up the mantle of civil rights at the beginning for black people, at the end for all people. Dr. King, Memphis, Tennessee. If you haven't been there to the Lorraine Motel and been to the Civil Rights Museum, I, I want to encourage you to go. It is, it, it is, it's a visit in education, in American history, not black history. American history, this whole idea that we can separate black history from American history is foolishness. Dr. King himself um, fought for the blending, get this folks, the blending of our cultures, the blending of our lives, the coexisting of who we are and what we are. Oh, there were forces, as you know, he paid the price. He was shot in the face. And you've seen that image. We've seen him laying there on that ground. Uh, we've seen the life ripped from this great leader. You see, King was a sacrificial leader. His house was bombed. Uh, he was jailed multiple times. But he was also a strategist. He understood that um, you needed to dramatize the atrocities against black people, the lynching, the segregation, the, um, you know, Jim Crow and and all of the um problems that black people were facing, the second class citizenship, the poverty. The, he knew he had to dramatize this and he became the face of a movement. Um, this thing, non, non 
violent movement, <laughs> nonviolent movement in a world full of violence. <laughs> How can you preach a nonviolent movement? You've seen the imagery of the sit-ins and which actually started the first one here in Oklahoma. You've seen those um, being spit on and hit in the back of the head and pulled from the seats and mocked and pushed and hit and taunted. And, but in all of that, black folks held their peace. Why? Because as Dr. King say, one must love thy enemy. It was a higher calling. It was on a different level. Yeah. That was then. This is now. Is that relevant? Is, are those strategies still in play today? Can we still be a people of nonviolence in the face of violence, in the face of mass incarceration, in the face of black men and black boys being slaughtered in our city streets? Can we remain nonviolent? 381 days bus boycott. Man. Nowadays, you can't get black folks to unite for 24 hours. <laughs> you can't get us to come together for 24 hours. Uh, Brother Rich, what was that? That was that one um, mid-case store where that uh, employee was, was, was caught uh, calling someone that uh, was allegedly shoplifting nigga this, nigga that. And, oh, there was such an outroar. Oh, how could that happen in the black community, in the Northeast community? We need to boycott that place. How long that lasts? <laughs> what, two days? How long did that last? People were saying, well, you know, hey, uh, you know, it's cheaper here and I don't want to go across town and it's going to cost more. You got Lamore Beauty Supply right in the neighborhood. You didn't go there because it was cheaper. 381 days. There was a time where unity among black people mattered. There was a time when the cause mattered more than your convenience or your pocketbook. Um, where are we now? It's a sad day. It's a sad day, folks. The March on Washington. Look at the magistry, the creativity, the power to bring people from all over the world, not just the United States. There were people that traveled from all over the world to unite for equality for black and brown people. There were just as many, get this, white folks on the March on Washington as there were black folks. Oh, wow. What am I saying? I'm saying that we have brothers and sisters from other races that have been with us in this struggle from the beginning. We can go back to Charles Sumner and Thaddeus Stevenson, uh, legislators from the East who petitioned Lincoln for the end of slavery. Always. We have always uh, Thaddeus Stevenson d said he did not even want to be buried in a segregated um, cemetery. He would not want his body to rest under those conditions. Throughout history, we have been in this struggle together. But where are we now? King called upon this nation to live up to the meaning of his creed the meaning, the founding, the very essence of why this country was created. That all men, let me throw in women, right? We have the Me Too movement now. Um, we have the what happened to Hillary, the sexism that went against her. That's for another show, maybe, or for hit me up on Messenger. But uh, but yeah, that 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 all Men and women are created equal. Wow. Why is equality such a difficult thing? 
Why is it that in in the heart of men and women, this need to be superior over someone else, the fragility of the human soul, the only way that you feel like you have existence and value is that you have to place yourself above someone else. Yeah. That's in the American psyche, by the way. Um, but we know that after his assassination, there were, there, were, there were riots all over major cities of this country. You see, sometimes when you have been brought to the brink, when everything has seemed to failed you, when nothing seems to fall on your side, you result to the only thing that you have left, and that is control, control of your community, what happens, what doesn't happen, control of your person. And sometimes, folks, that doesn't always come out correctly. What a prophetic speech the night before his death if you watch that clip, I mean, if you're a Patreon customer, which I I um, encourage you to become patreon.com slash one mic, one voice. Um, you can watch all the videos along with us and, and participate and have our show notes and know what's coming up. Uh, maybe you like the mystery of what might come up next, but uh, you can follow us. But you can see that Dr. King was and, you know, in Memphis, he was pretty, he looked exhausted, right? He had been encouraged not to go to, to um, Memphis. There was so many threats against his life. And uh, Andrew Young talks about how they practically begged him not to go. But he saw those sanitation workers and the conditions that they were in. And, and a few of them had been crushed to death. He thought. This campaign, the poor people's campaign, um, we had taken care of the black middle class. Now we had to reach down for those that were the underclass, the blacks and the whites. And he said, we must go. And we know the results of that. But his speech was pathetic. He saw. He had a sense of what was coming next. That's why I said Dr. King was such a powerful leader, because he was a sacrificial leader. You can't lead unless you are willing to pay a cost. You can't lead. Anybody can lead. Anybody can be in front. But when things get tough, when things get very difficult, I remember uh, Dr. King talking about when his daughter was threatened. He got a call and they said, um, if he didn't leave uh, Alabama, they Georgia, uh, um, they were going to um, assassinate or kill not just him, but his daughter, the one that had been recently born. And it really shook him up. And he was up all night and he said he heard a voice, a voice that commissioned him on in he realized you could not do this work if you feared death. You see, this work for civil rights, how many people, Richard, have lost their lives in this struggle? Lost their lives trying to vote, right? Lost their lives trying to, uh, on those freedom rides, going down to register people to vote. Uh, lost their lives simply because they would not Submit to the Jim Crow laws, the black codes. How many people lost their lives? How many people were lynched? Um, and I hear people say today, I don't vote. <laughs> it's a waste of time. Well, folks, Simply King. Um, man, where are the kings today? Folks, we're going to take a break. We're going to get deeper into this. Um, you know, 
the legacy is alive today. It's not dead. As Dr. King's granddaughter said, you can kill um, an individual with an idea, but you cannot kill the idea. And we are alive today. We are situated in the midst of this idea that I have a dream. Folks, take a break. We'll be right back. Oklahoma Humanities Brain Box podcast uses the humanities to take listeners on a deep dive into the issues affecting American society and culture. Join some of Oklahoma's most interesting and knowledgeable humanities scholars to explore how history, literature, ethics, philosophy, and other humanities fields inform our understanding of current events and the human experience. And to find the Brain Box podcast, simply search Brain Box podcast on iTunes, Podbean, Google Play, and any other podcasting library. If you have any ideas or comments rattling around in your noggin, email us at brainbox at okhumanities.org. This is Josh K. And I am Leah Marie. And when we listen to podcasts, we always listen to One Mic, One Voice. You can change the world, it's your choice. Your choice. folks <laughs> dr king was a strategist <laughs> he didn't just do things happenstance he didn't fly off and say well, he was one that thought things through as i mentioned before he dramatized but also he strategized and today's struggle we have to we it's, it's, it's one thing to have passion it's one thing to have conviction it is one thing to be dedicated to that thing. But if you are not a strategist, if you do not know how to move an agenda forward, you will get nowhere. You have to know how to be a strategist. We have a couple of comments. Elijah says, my grandfather was beaten by the KKK for marching. Um, wow. I mean, <laughs> Eliza's point is the fact that, man, I, I wish black people would get this. And I understand. I, I understand. I understand that um, the legacy of slavery and Jim Crow and convict leasing and mass incarceration. I, I get the systemic problem. I get that. I'm, I'm clear on that. I write about that, folks. Um. But we can deny, cannot deny the contributions of those outside of our race to our cause. And I think we do a disservice, a disservice when we infer this to all white people. When we consider them the enemy. Man, come on. Man, my family's a rainbow. I can't, I, you know, I can't even trip like that. I remember one brother was trying to. Man, he was trying to recruit me, man, <laughs> you know, and talking all this crazy stuff about the white devil, this, that, the other thing. I said, Doc, man, <laughs> obviously you don't know who you're talking to, right? Because it's, it's, it's about people. It's about humanity. Um, and I'm not saying that, uh, and if anyone that knows me, you know I'm not saying that we do away and we try to live in this post-racial society, well, that's nonsense. But we still can deal with the issues and identify those who are perpetrators of it without 
inferring that to everyone. Hello, Lee says, very, very powerful. She goes on to also say, I wish I listened to this show, MLK Day episode. Can I find this show on iTunes? You can exactly find this show on iTunes. Go to One Mic, One Voice, search for us, follow us. You will get every one of our shows, and we appreciate you listening. And we appreciate your comments because it is, it is, it is our collective voices. One Mic, One Voice is about the collective voice of those that do not have the opportunity, but yet you are valued and your opinion is valued. Dr. King was a strategist. I want you to listen to this. This is from this Hope and Fury, MLK. Um, If you have not seen that, um, um, you can catch it. You can get it on demand, but it's very powerful. Um, I recommend that you watch the whole thing. Here's a clip from that. More than a thousand school children, first high school students, then much younger ones left school and headed downtown where Bull Connor's troops waited with fire hoses and dogs. Dr. King realized that if you have embers and you have gasoline, all you need to do is get a spark and things will uh, burn. instructed people you don't run from dogs you back away from them you continue to look at them I was 16 and I was stupefied by those images and I see these six-year-old kids marching into dogs and fire hoses singing freedom songs and when they see the dogs in the fire hoses they don't run They would pin us to the light pole to keep us from going any further down the street. And you had to hold on to keep from being rolled down the street. You'd have to describe it as what hell must look like to see human beings being treated that way. Screaming, especially little kids. Got tears in my eyes right now. It's it's just it's 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 hard. Well, these were children with ribbons in their hair and little dresses on who were getting beaten up. They weren't dressing up in their finest Sunday clothes to get blood all over them just for kicks. They were dressed that way so that they were the maximum amount of sympathetic. When violence is that visual, it prompts people to action gets people's attention in a way that any amount of intellectual discussion can't even approach. Wow. Wow. You can uh, catch Hope and Fury tomorrow, 8 o'clock, 7 Central. Sometimes when you think about that happening, like with... Hope and Fury, MLK. I recommend that you, you know, I think it's already pretty much played, but you can get it on demand. And, um, I mean, the reason why we play that clip is you we, we 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 don't want you to forget you've heard that those that forget the past repeat the same mistakes we don't want you to forget that the reality of the past get this folks remains in our present whether we talk about it, whether we acknowledge it, those of us who have embraced it, we carry it around with us every day. We have another comment, a couple comments. Hello, Lee says, Hope and Fury is very educational. It gave me a completely different perspective. It's so true. It is, it is really well done. And it, it talked about the strategies that Dr. King were involved in, how he used those young kids. And he was criticized. He was criticized. And this brings up a point. You, yeah, I, when I hear people like, you know, this iconic King and, you know, King was so loving and yeah, he, he was that. But he was an agitator. He was an agitator. He stirred the pot. 
right? He made waves. We say in the Navy when I was there, if you want to change something, make waves. (laughs) He made waves. He made it difficult. He brought the storm in. And he knew how to use the television camera. He knew how to use the visual, right, to attack the consciousness or the slumbering consciousness of the American psyche. Elijah says, being half Native American, I was happy to hear the government gave some tribes reparation for what they wanted, what they went through. My question is, why black folks have not received the same? That's a million dollar question. You know, I heard uh, Dr. Uh, Manning Maribel speak many, many, many years ago. Uh, well, it wasn't that many years ago. <laughs> Make myself out to be ancient, but uh, it was in my undergraduate. He came to the University of Wisconsin Parkside, and he spoke on uh, reparations. If you don't know who Doctor uh, Maribel was, he was, he was actually uh, he wrote the most definitive uh, biography of uh, Malcolm X. It took him seven years to do that. You can pick it up. Um, but uh, he talked about this need um, beyond the financial. See, this is what people think. Well, you know, black people, we want money. Well, you know what? When, when you work for free labor for generations, I think you owe something. I, you know, so I don't, I don't think that's a problem. I don't have a problem with black people wanting reparations and financial reparations. But it's deeper than that. It's the acknowledgement of the wrong. It's acknowledgement of the evils. It's acknowledgement that you took people from the coast of Africa and many of them died that will never be known in that North Atlantic and that cold water. I've sailed the North Atlantic. I can tell you it's, it's, it's rough, even in a Navy vessel. But to be plunged in that to die um, under those conditions. Yes, the acknowledgement of that horror. Nobody has a problem talking about the Holocaust. I bring up the Holocaust and yeah, you know, everybody's good with that. When you bring up slavery, people, oh, no, come on, Michael, come on. No, no. Oh, Mike, here we go again. No, no, no. Oh, come on. It was so long ago. And I mean, no, I don't have slaves. I don't think my relatives had slaves. But there was like a slavery, though, right? I don't I don't I don't think I know German people today don't are not like executing Jewish people. Yet they're OK with talking about it. Right. Because that's part of the healing process. That's part of that that thing that says, yes, this happened to your people. And we acknowledge that. And we want to make restitution for that, not just financially, but we want to go through a healing process. It's a great question. But the American system, the governments of America, the majority of them do not have the fortitude, the strength, the courage, because, folks, that opens up a whole nother can of worms. You acknowledge that thing. You start acknowledging all of that was done wrong. Then, I mean, just like this controversy that happened with these uh, Confederate statues, you started you, know, you start acknowledging that. Then you bring out the horrors of the white supremacy movement. You bring out all these people that guess what? America really doesn't want to deal with it. So it's okay to just let black folks deal with that suffering memory. A thousand students, children came out, but you had Bull Connor, right? Came out with dogs and fire hose. If you, if you've never been down to that scene, I, Man, I, I want to tell you something. It's it's a powerful, powerful scene. You walk through that park. You see the statues of the dogs. You see the one dog that grabbed the, that uh, was tugging on the young black man's sweater. Um, that's been forever memorialized. Um, but think about Parkland today. Think about the students. That's why I want people to understand history. What Parkland is doing, a student movement, is not new. It's not new. 
These students are flowing in the tradition that has already been created. It's already been done. And they, hopefully, they are connected and they understand the strength of that unity. I'm happy to see them reaching out to the Black Lives Matter movement and to other movements to say that gun violence, whether it's at in, in a school or it's on the street somewhere, Milwaukee, Chicago, Ferguson, it's gun violence. Whether it's in your household, it's gun violence. And we are all in this together. But the fact that it's being led by students, why are people shocked? Richard, I hear people that are shocked. That, well, these kids, what are these kids talking about? How can these kids? Oh, oh, my God. Okay. Go back and do your homework. These were children that were locked up. These were children that were beaten. These were children that were under the fire hoses. These were children that were attacked by dogs. These were young students who did what? They walked out of school. Oh, my God. Isn't that happening now? Aren't students walking out and making a statement? I'm not going to get into. Well, let me let me leave that one alone. I, I, I might get into that some weeks on down the road, but I, I'm not going I'm, I'm not going to um, tarnish this movement because I'm very proud of these young people. But did you know this at, at the Parkland School? Did you know this? 25% of the student body is black. Let, let, me, let me repeat that. 25% of the student body is black. Now, what are most of the students? They're white. The young man Hogg said, this is the greatest disservice that the media has done. This white young man is not include diverse voices from their high school in this discussion. Man, these and I, I got to applaud these 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 young kids, man. They they're some remarkable kids. They are. They're socially conscious. They're engaged. They're remarkable. I, I just have to be honest with you. I, I am impressed with um, their tenacity toward what is right and what's wrong. Man, I, I, but they're not the first young people to do this. So history, history. I wrote an article one time that says history repeats itself. It was about, uh, back in the day that Richards guy that uh, at the laugh factory that went off and and uh, was calling the n-word to the audience the Steinstein uh, Seinfeld uh, uh, Richard uh, I forget what his name Richards or what his name was uh, the guy with the you know I think he's played Kramer or something on the show or something like that but uh, yeah I wrote this article history repeats itself folks if we do not understand and allow for the historical record to make an impact in our psyche, it will repeat itself. Why do we have such challenges to minority people voting? Because it happened before. Okay. Why do we have mass incarceration when the majority, blacks make up 14% of the population, but they're, they're 60% of the prison population because we had convict leasing. Go back and just read Slavery by Another Name or get the movie Slavery by Another Name. You probably can get it on demand, Slavery by Another Name. That was the first mass incarceration system. You see, if we're not aware of these things, yeah, they come back a little different. <laughs> Yeah, it, you know, it's the same dude, but he got a different suit on. Right? Yeah, he looks sharp. Right? But he's got the same old con game going on. That's what's happening today, folks. We got to pay some bills. Pay a few bills. Hang in there. We're going to come back. And we're going to wrap this show up, folks. We'll be right back.
This is DT of the One Mic One Voice podcast. Just want to let you guys know you can go over to iTunes and search us at One Mic One Voice and be sure to rate and review our episodes. Let us know about any feedback that you have and what you enjoy about the episodes. Also, you can go over to Stitcher where you can get the latest and freshest episodes of our podcast streamed directly to your smartphone or iPad. No downloading or syncing. How cool. Real smooth. Also, we'd just like to take the time to thank you for your time and for your energy and for spending time with us as we discuss the historical record of our time. This is Dr. Laura Jalat, and when I listen to podcasts, I always listen to the One Mic, One Voice show. So where are we now? (laughs) Dr. King has been gone for 50 years. 50 years! Man. Where is the black community now? Some would say even more divided. Uh, The black middle class is making less per capita than they did in the 60s. Where are we now? Who are we as a people? I, I hear this idea of how we need to separate ourselves. It's foolishness. We, we, are, we help build this society. Some would argue that the society was built on the black backs of black folks. What I'm going to separate from what I helped build? <laughs> what? Well, listen, folks, um, I understand that may sound like, you know, pro-black rhetoric. But folks have been saying that since Marcus Garvey. I know there's Garveyites out there. I, I get it. I get it. I'm an Ellisonian, so I, I get it. I'm a, I'm a Du Boisian. I, I get it, right? I'm not a Washingtonian, right? <laughs> listen, I, I get it. But. If it hasn't worked since then, somehow you think it's going to work now. Wake up. Wake up, my brothers and sisters. Um, We need to get engaged in the mainstream of the society. And I know I know the systemic challenges that we face, but we have never been and never will be a people that give up. That capitulate. They said ostracize us. But give us our own. Man, come on. Like I said, we can't get united for 24 hours. Um, that's for another show. But again, I'm just I'm trying to be truthful here. I really am. And um, this is about at the end of the day, I'll say this and you hear me say this over and over again. It's about the human race. It's about coexisting, coming together, respecting one another, loving one another. That is in the tradition of Dr. King. His death must represent that. If it doesn't represent anything else. But where are we? Take a listen to this. Take over. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. We want black power. We want black power. We want black power. Almost overnight, black power groups were organizing across the country, each with their own idea about what the phrase actually meant. You got everybody from those that are saying, yes, let's go for elected office, to those that say, let's overthrow the government. But not everyone was on board with the new slogan. Now, we don't believe in black power. That's the wrong word. That's a dirty word. There are certain segments of African-American communities that just really believe that black power is disruptive, that it's wrong, that it's violent, and that that is not the way to get ahead in society. Um, And so there are a lot of African-Americans who, in fact, denounce black power um, at its peak. No matter how endlessly they try to explain it, 
The term black power means anti-white power. It shall not now poison our forward march. There was a real fear that the idea of black power, the idea of African Americans challenging white liberals in the Democratic Party, uh, would scare white folk. The phrase black power gives a wrong connotation, and there are those who associated with black supremacy, with a call to violence, and with a call to Negro separatism, a feeling that the Negro now feels that he can make it alone. The day of Martin Luther King's nonviolence has come to an end. I got three witnesses right here in this audience who were there when he said, my day's finished. Now, that's interesting. I, I, I don't have time to completely analyze and be analytical on the rise of black power. But um, in a nutshell, black power began to rise, um, I think, out of a frustration and and uh, the lack of, I think, progress that black people, mainly younger black people, started to see in the civil rights movement. And you heard Dr. King say that uh, it gave the wrong connotation. Now, that is an aspect of what King talked about when it came. It's not the absolute. uh, I don't even think it's a holistic view of King's perspective on it. Uh, But he did say it was a call to violence. He thought that it could be taken that way. And what's important, King saw it as some sort of separatist movement, right? Um, And I think that uh, in the early stages of black power, uh, folks like uh, uh, Stokely Carmichael became Kwame Ture. And and, he, he, he... he 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 articulated it in a way that was like you know yeah we not nonviolent basically we not gonna deal with what the older folks been dealing with we younger uh, and 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 at the same time what this what this audio and it's actually a video but you didn't see it because you're not a Patreon customer you can come one you can see it but anyway so so this it, it, it actually didn't show that this also was the time that you know uh, that people were coming off of a lot of things that Malcolm X had put into the culture right and we know Malcolm began to change as he matured before his untimely death as well and so, yes, you, you have this counter movement. You notice I said, where are we at after King? You have this counter movement that moves in a different direction, right? But really does it, really does it. I think on, I think on, the, on the surface, it looks like it's at odds. It looks like it is the antithesis of the nonviolent King philosophy. And there is some truism to this idea of, uh, you know, we're, we're not going to let you slap us, not going to put fire hoses on us. You're not going to, you know, do those sort of things. So there, there is some, you know, but when you're young though, I mean, you, you have to, you have to take it in the, in the right context. When you're young, you know, you, Ah, you have a different approach. Yeah, yeah, you have a different approach. And I think that um, for the those outside the culture, it was it, I think it was easier for white folks, you know, and others to see themselves engaged in King's philosophy. And and I can see where in black power, the original kind of movement the outset of it it was you if you were outside that culture you really couldn't see like a space for you in there right uh because i i don't know you know being a white person yelling black power you know that that yeah that 
that might be a little strange, right? So, so I'm just saying, just you know, aesthetically, right, and verbally, it was a challenge there. But I, I, I think one has to go deeper into uh, black philosophy as well as black power to understand that there was a beauty in the movement that began to help black folks internalize not only their beauty, but their worth. Right. Um, and although King's philosophy was nonviolent, it was about integration. It was about coexisting. It wasn't so much about the self. Right. It wasn't so much about working on the self in the sense that, guess what? My value is what it is right now. Equality will not make me have value. I have value. The system will not make me look at myself and see the beauty that God created me to be. Right. So black power came along. James Brown, I'm black and I'm proud, came along. Say it loud. Right. I'm black and I'm proud. It, 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 it took on a different sort of, I want to say, persona among the black culture right? for the individual. Right. Um, and it more and black power a lot of times look toward the individual and not toward the group. Right. King was the leader, Abernathy and and a Philip Randolph. And you look toward the clergy and you look. But for black power, you looked in the mirror. See, you say, I'm a black man. You know what I mean? <laughs> you ain't gonna do that to me. It became much more on a personal level. And I think that in the final analysis of these two, one could clearly say that um, black power served a purpose in redirecting the mentality of black people. Right? Uh, and I think one could say in a very positive way. Uh, but was there violence? Was there the separatist attitude? Well, oh, yeah. All that existed in black power. You cannot deny that. Right. But I think sometimes just like the individual, you have to take holistically. You have to look at a person's life with 360 degrees, I think, also with these major movements. So where is the black community now? Well, we're still struggling with that. Still struggling with that. I mean, do we do we burn down our city streets? Is that how we change things? Or do we go to school and become lawyers or do we join the police department and police our communities? Do we what do, what, what, what do we we're, we're still battling between these two major philosophies? I hear it all the time. Again, the separatists, we want our own stuff. That's part of what black power brought into existence. Going back to the X Factor, Malcolm X. Going back to Garvey. We tried to take people back to Africa. So that has been the struggle. And if we don't understand that, then there is confusion upon what direction we need to go as a people. Where are we at after MLK? The, the picture is not pretty. I mean, look at graduation rates. Look at the, in every health statistic, we are, man, we're leading when you look at, you know, high blood pressure, you look at cancer, you look at, you know, diabetes, you look at, right? the, the, look at our communities. Many of our communities are blighted communities. We don't have access to fresh vegetables or fruit, fresh meat. Um, look at the ownership. There's not a whole lot of black businesses viable in the black community. Um, the, 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 the picture does not look great. Now, again, I'm, I'm not saying that every black community is blighted. I'm not saying that. So don't don't blow me up saying that, I, you know. 
I, I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is the majority of them. I don't. I, again, I've been around this country. I've been around this country. And I've lived in multiple states. And I've traveled, spoken. And I, I can tell you, there's a commonality in the black community. And it's not good. So at some point, right, at some point, I don't see reparations coming around the corner. At some point, we have to begin to write a different narrative. The narrative is not exclusive. The narrative is inclusive. We have to begin to understand that education, education is extremely important. We have too many young people not graduating from high school. We have too many young people that's in the juvenile justice system. We got too many fathers that are locked up in prison. And again, folks, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on the systemic problems. I'm with you on all of this. But we have to do something. We have to take huh, the pen in our own hand and begin to write a different narrative, right? And I'm happy to see these young people that are so engaged, that spoke from the same spot that Dr. King spoke. Wow. There we go. Yeah. There we go. Hmm? The ones that get it. We have the Me Too movement, the women's movement, feminist movement. Um, we have to understand that there's a common thread in all of this. That thread is opportunity and equality. When will we figure it out? Black, white, Asian, Latino, Native American. When will we figure out that this common thread holds us all together and we turn to each other, not away from each other? When we banish ideology, because ideology is it, that's 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 gonna keep you apart, right? If we allow for the pundits to tell us what's important, what we should think about, what should regulate our days, it's the carrot that you're forever chasing. But when we understand that common thread, that's what King was tapping into. I think then we will find success and deliverance, right? It's been too long. It's been too long. 50 years, April 4th, 2018. 50 years since we lost Martin. And yet, if he woke up today, he would see the same problems. Although we can put a man on the moon, we can, I can get you on video chat. You can be anywhere in the world. I can, I'm speaking to you right now. Although we have made leaps and bounds in technology, yet when it comes to the human interaction, we are still in the dark ages. It is up to all of us to look at that common thread and begin huh, to begin to make a difference, to bind ourselves with cords that cannot be broken because history will speak of us. Somewhere in the distant future, a scribe will reach down deep into the archives of our time and what Will she find? Will she discover that we overcame our differences? Will she find that out of many, we became one? Or will she find that we solved nothing and remain a divided peoples? Yes, history will speak of us. We can make a difference if we try. We can be. 
work together We gotta raise our children better We gotta stop the hate, stop the hate And spread the love One mic, one voice You can change the world, it's your choice One mic, one voice You can change the world, it's your choice One mic, one voice You can change the world, it's your choice One mic, one voice You can change the world, it's your choice Today's broadcast is being brought to you by Blacken Studios. To learn more about Blacken Studios, please visit them at blackenstudios.com or visit them on their Facebook page, Blacken Studios. Today's broadcast is also being brought to you by Perry Publishing and Broadcasting. To learn more about Perry Publishing and Broadcasting, please visit their website at perrypublishingandbroadcasting.net. The opinions of the One Might One Voice show do not reflect the views of Blacken Studios or Perry Publishing and Broadcasting. Thank you for downloading the One Might One Voice show.